Morning, church. Um, I know that typically people have the earpiece, but I've realized that I could never be a singer because I can't put it on my ear. I don't like it. <laughs> and that's the only reason, nothing to do with my terrible voice. Um, but yeah, so that's a privilege to, to speak to you today. Um, I'm excited about sharing God's word. Um, I, I feel like I need to calm myself a little bit and thank you for the prayer because it feels like it's been a crazy week. So as I, I was saying in the prayer meeting, this message has to be from God because I haven't had enough time to put as much effort as into it as I wanted to. Um, but I do feel like it's a strong word from God. And one of the things that I love about this series that we're doing, and, and Laura said this earlier, is that it's actually just speaking through the scriptures and not just, that's incredible. This is the word that we've been given. Um, and I have the privilege of being able to share the scriptures with you as I understand them today, um, as God has revealed them to me. And, and so though the week was crazy and things were busy, um, sharing God's word should never be a chore because actually this is, this is given to us. And all it is is me sharing what, I, what I've heard from, from God in these scriptures. So um, this morning, we do continue with week five of the Corinthian series. Um, we're looking at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, and it's the whole chapter. Um, and previously, Andre, very powerfully actually, if you were here in the last two weeks, has covered um, some of, of, of 2 Corinthians already. And he's spoken initially about how uh, Paul's letters, and, and they were quite strong letters, and Paul does write these strong letters, but they also bring a lot of hope. Um, he brings sort of these reprimands, but then backs it up with like, this is the hope we have, and this is, this is what we've called to do. And so um, the, first, the first week that Andre spoke, he spoke about um, our unity within our diversity and that was super powerful to me i think particularly in a church like this where there is a lot of diversity but because of that diversity we can be unified under christ um, and he spoke about that body of christ and how we're unified in our differences um, and then last week he spoke about the importance of forgiveness and the relationships we have that people is what this thing is all about um, and, and changing the hearts of people and keeping those relationships strong. Um, and those were the words of Paul. And this week, um, we're going to have a look a little bit more at another sort of reprimand and then a very exciting sort of um, call for us or, or just a, a, an encouragement to us that Paul had for the Corinthian church. So we're going to start with reading the whole scripture. It's a long one, the whole chapter. It's quite a long one. Um, and then we'll break it up a little bit after that. So chapter, uh, chapter three, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, 
not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The greater glory of a new covenant. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory, now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, such, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when in, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all know who, un, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed to his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's a big one. <laughs> it's a long one, and it's, it has so many powerful points in there, I think. And so I'd like to break it up into three parts um, so that we can just look at each of the three parts in depth. Um, and I'm going to start with the first section, which is verses 1 to 3. I'll read it again, just that, that one bit. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we, as some do, uh, or we do, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are a letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all, and you show that the, that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the Living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the hum, of human hearts. So my first point here is, here we see that Paul is referring to the church as Christ's message to the world. And I think we know this. Um, we, we, as Christians, we know that we are the message of Christ to the world. But I want to encourage us a little bit more as we delve into this. So a little bit of background here. Um, Paul has been with the Corinthian church and ministered to the Corinthian church for some time. But there's a group of people who have come and tried to discredit Paul in this place. Um, and in these times, if you were a, a traveling minister or pastor or apostle, you often had to carry around with you a letter of recommendation, okay? You got a, a letter that showed your credentials. I've got this theology under this person, and I've, you know, I've achieved so much, and this is why you should trust me, right? And so these traveling pastors as new people would, would take, them, take their letter and they would show it to the church and that way they would be considered trustworthy. You could listen to their word. 
And these people had come to discredit Paul. They'd come and they had said, you know, you know, who is he really? And, and what is he bringing to you? And how do you know? Show us his credentials. Has he brought a letter to show who he's come from and where he's come from? Um, and Paul didn't have an issue necessarily with the need for credentials or referrals. He had himself written these referrals for other people. So he didn't have an issue with the fact that traveling pastors and apostles and those people needed this letter because that it made sense. But his issue here that he's calling them out for is, I've been with you. I've been with you. I've taught you. I have been a part of building this church. I've planted this church and I'm watering it still. And yet you are questioning what I have to say. And so that's his first sort of, his first sort of speech to them was, but why are you asking for my credentials again? And then he goes on to say something interesting. He goes on to reveal how he is recommended. He gives a wonderful encouragement and also a bit of a challenge to the church. He says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation. Paul's credentials are not on paper, not written down, but they're rather in the people, the people of the Corinthian church and the life of the local church that he has planted and that he has continued to water. Their experience of grace through the teachings that Paul has given shouldn't be so easily forgotten. So he's saying this in that first part. And then I think it's also a picture of, to us of how we are actually also the recommendation of Christ, right? So our lives are that recommendation of Christ. Now that to me is very scary because <laughs> obviously how are we this letter, how, how would we write a letter of recommendation for Christ? Who are we to give a recommendation for him? Um, but we'll cover a bit later why this isn't scary. But the challenge is there. Your lives, our lives, are the recommendation of Christ. So, like I said, I find this quite scary, but I'd like to tell a bit of a story of, of something that happened within my family. So, I have, I'm one of four girls. There's, I've got three sisters. Um, and my second elder sister has, has really struggled. She's, she's come through a lot. She's struggled with alcohol and drug abuse from a young age. From about 13, she started abusing alcohol and then a bit later started abusing drugs and um, has struggled with it for literally years. And still, she was recently with us. Um, she's not drinking alcohol at the moment, and I'll come back to that story, but we were sitting having glasses of wine and I, uh, like, because she was, she was visiting us from Australia, and I had a moment to chat to her, and I said, how is this for you? And she had actually gone and bought her some alcohol, herself some alcohol-free beers because she said, actually sitting here with you guys all drinking alcohol, so it's still a very big problem. It was really hard for her. But I want to tell a, a bit of a background story. When I left school, I went to Amsterdam, to, well, to the Netherlands, to au pair for a year, and my family came out to visit, and they just happened to be there over New Year's. And as a family, we'd all been out for New Year's, and it was wonderful, and um, I had been a Christian and, um, for many years before that. 
Um, and we'd, my sister and I had, had these lots of fights about it. She, she often spoke, she's since spoke about when we were younger, I would walk into a room and without her having seen me, she said she could feel the hairs on the back of her neck sort of stand up. It was that kind of relationship. We didn't have a great relationship. Um, and we're in Amsterdam, and obviously Amsterdam, I don't know how many of you know, but there's, there's a big drug culture there. It's very freely available. You can, you can go into what they call coffee shops and choose um, cannabis from a menu and, and, and take it. And she obviously also was able to access much harder drugs. Um, and we had come home from this New Year's party where she had gotten high, and she said she looked over at me, and I was sleeping, so it had nothing to do with any words I said or anything I did, but I was sleeping, and she said she looked over at me sleeping, and she just saw such peace on me. She just saw peace, and she was like, I want that peace. And that day, she made the decision to stop drugs. She stopped drugs, cold turkey, on that day, and it wasn't until much later, she is now Christian, and only very recently is she now Christian, but there's something in that story for me of, we do nothing but God in us, God in us is that representation or that recommendation um, of Christ. And so that story, it's, it's an incredible story to me, and I've only heard bits of it as we've gone on later, and only now in the last, she literally came to visit in the last few weeks, have we really restored our relationship because she wasn't, we weren't friends. I didn't, I don't think I was a representation of Christ at all when I spoke to her. Like definitely not, we had lots of fights. Um, but Christ in me was something, and we, we had this wonderful moment of being able to just share like where she'd come, where she'd come from and how she'd gotten there and, and Christ has worked in her life and a little bit of that was because of Christ in me, which is incredible. Um, and I feel like I could stop the story just there, but there's a lot more to the scripture. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you before we go on that, like Christ in us is not about us. It's not about us at all. Literally, I was sleeping and she saw the peace and she went, I'm not going to take drugs anymore. I want that peace. Um, so Paul goes on in this passage of scripture in verse three, showing how the recommendations like the temporary commandments, so he likens it to the temporary commandments of the old covenant that were written on tablets. They're no longer written on stone tablets. They're now written permanently in the hearts of people. Here we see that the human hearts that have received Christ have the ability to better reflect the purposes of God to the world around them. Those tablets of stone were important for a time, and we'll look at that later, they were, they, were, they were very important, and they did bring the glory of God, and they did come from the glory of God. But now this new covenant is so much greater because it's written in our hearts and it's permanent. We also just get an image of what Paul sees his ministry as. His ministry is a ministry that um, ushers in the new covenant. It's no longer the ministry of these tablets that Moses brought down. It's the ministry of the new covenant, not for his own glory, not for Paul's own glory, but for the glory of God. So that's the first part, and I just, that's, those are the things I wanted us to take out of that first part of the scripture. To move on to the second part, which is from verses four to six. 
Um, such confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves, and I've touched on this already, to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. So coming back to what I said, we don't need to fear this, the fact that we are the reflection or the recommendation of Christ, because it's not about our sufficiency. You can see that in this. These verses tell us that we can actually have a greater confidence in Christ than in ourselves. Our confidence is in him. So when we're recommending him, it's not about the lives we're living. It's about the Christ that we are reflecting. We have a greater confidence in who we are reflecting or recommending rather than in ourselves. Paul's boldness as a minister of the gospel, even when he's correcting errors of the church, is not rooted in his own self-confidence. doesn't have confidence necessarily in himself. His confidence comes from Christ. He's well aware of his deficiencies, as we all are. I think I'm going to tell a story of, of, I hope Brian doesn't mind, but he, he often tells this, it's not about him necessarily, but he tells the story of, of how he used to love cricket. <laughs> he watched a lot of cricket. He enjoyed the game. And then, and, and he particularly loved Hansi Kurnia. I don't know how many of you remember him. He was the cricket captain of the South African team. He was very experienced in what he did. He was well-respected amongst his team and amongst cricketers around the world. He was a very well-respected cricketer and captain for the South African team. And he came with lots of credentials, right? Everyone knew who he was. He was a great player. He was a great captain. He was great, great team lead. Um, and Ryan would watch cricket and love the team and love Hansi. And then he'll often say, I can't watch cricket since what happened with Hansi Krillier. I can't watch it anymore. And what happened is Hansi Krunia, who was this well-respected team captain, he decided to get involved in match fixing. He made the decision, he's human, we all make mistakes, but he made this decision to, to get involved in match fixing, which essentially means he took money for his own benefit and lost games um, on purpose. Okay, so he did this and it was found out and suddenly Hansi Krunier was discredited. This guy who was brilliant at what he did, he had the credentials, he knew what he was doing, but this mistake discredited him. And since then, Ryan cannot watch cricket the same way anymore. Occasionally, I've seen him watch it. He's <laughs> much more of a football fan now. But it's incredible how, like, as humans, we are easily discredited, and these mistakes that we make are human. We make mistakes. but. It can write us off as humans. We as people are quite judgy like that. I'm not calling you judgy. <laughs> I know you were just very disappointed more than anything. But our, we are not credited ourselves. We can't because we are aware of our deficiencies. We make these mistakes. But as we see in this letter, God graciously works powerfully through our weaknesses. Now, I don't have a nice summary of how Hansi Kronia brought it all around, and uh, obviously, <laughs> I would love to have that part of the story to tell. Um, but in spite of 
our weaknesses, in spite of who we are, God works powerfully through us anyway. So the credit is on Christ, not on us. Nothing that we can do can be, or that Paul could do could be counted as impressive before Christ. We draw our confidence and our sufficiency from Christ. We don't draw it from ourselves. We can't, and we can very easily, we know, be discredited. Earlier in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16, which we covered last week, Paul asks the question, who is sufficient for these things? And here he answers it. He says, we are actually sufficient for these things, but only because of God's gracious empowerment in us. God himself gives us the authority and the competence. Another thing I want to say is that I've said we're the recommendation for Christ, but how great is it, even more powerfully, that Christ is actually the recommendation for us? Because we cannot do it, he can recommend us through what he did on the cross. That gives Paul the confidence and should give us the confidence to be humble and bold at the same time. We can preach and teach in faith because we understand that the spirit is alive and indwelling power. Unlike the law, the lives of believers are working to conform the image of Christ, conform to the image of Christ. So that's my second point, and I'd like to now jump onto the third one. This is the biggest chunk of scripture. So bear with me as I read it again. I know you probably are done with hearing my voice, but I'll go for one more time. I really should have done what Andre does and bring someone up to read these things for me. Um, but I feel too bad to give someone that on the, at the last minute. So from 6.5 to 18, verse 6.5 to 18, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was not being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the spirits have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, I can't do it either, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here we finally see Paul's faith for Christ-like transformation because of the Spirit's power. Not because of him, not because of his strength, not because of his words, but because of the Spirit's power. Paul is drawing that comparison between the glory under the old covenant, which was glorious, I've said this already, and the greater glory or greatest glory under the new covenant through the Holy Spirit. Paul talks of the glory that rested on Moses. And it was, again, people couldn't look at Moses' face without it being veiled because it was such glory just showcases how much better the new covenant is. It's not bad versus good. It's good versus greatest. As much as remembering the glory of old, this is so much better. So quickly, let's have a look at what the old covenant or the law did. The law under the, on the tablets under Moses, when he, when he brought them down, the law prescribed death as penalty for sin. The law specified transgressions. This means it highlighted what right and wrong was. So people could no longer plead ignorance. They knew what right and wrong was. Okay? And the disobedience of that law was therefore sin. The thing about the law is that it could be twisted to create a case for one's own sufficiency. One could become self-righteous because of the law. Oh, I, I did all these things, so I'm a righteous person. That's what, uh, that was the, the, the flaw in the law. That's why it wasn't a, a, a perma, it couldn't be a permanent thing. And the law also needed to be obeyed 100% for it to not be a failure. There was even a 99.99% chance that you didn't obey the law fully then it was a failure. You failed to obey the law. So though it was glorious, it wasn't enough. It wasn't permanent. It couldn't be permanent because we all know there's no way we could uphold that law completely. So it still came with glory. It still radiated from, uh, from Moses. But how much more, and this is what Paul's speaking to, how much more glorious is the new covenant. The new covenant where there is a mediator. Moses couldn't take on the sin and rid the people of the guilt that they had under the old covenant. He couldn't do that. He didn't have the sufficiency for that. But Christ had the sufficiency for us. So under the new covenant where there's a mediator, there's someone between us. His face is shining for us and the, the glory of God is shining from him on us. How much more incredible is that new covenant? In verse 8, we see that the difference between the two, though there was glory in both, the difference between the two is the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit was in both places, in the old covenant and the new covenant. The Spirit was always there. 
but the difference is that the Spirit is within the human heart in the new covenant, lives within our hearts. The old covenant, when people sinned, they couldn't take away their guilt. Yet through Christ, we are now made righteous before God. Our guilt is gone, and now the Spirit can lead us into the freedom that Christ achieved for us. The glory of the new covenant is so much brighter. Man, I'm quite glad I'm living in these times. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about having lived under the old covenant. Um, the grace of the new covenant is, is so much brighter. So the next section of this talks to Paul giving a defense of his boldness. Remember, again, like we said at the beginning, people were trying to discredit him. And he's already, we've heard those last two letters, were bold in calling out sin. They were bold in calling out what the Corinthian church was doing wrong. And one would say, like, why? How, how can he feel bold in doing that? He's bringing rebuke. Um, but he can speak with boldness because the, he can trust that the Spirit will come to transform people. Where Moses had to veil the glory of God, Paul was able to reveal the glory of God because he knew that we can be transformed in the Spirit and through the work done on the cross. He can speak of freedom, and it's not freedom from the law. The law still stands but it's freedom in knowing that he can be bold to speak of these things. And people can be transformed. The hearts of people can be transformed because of the Spirit and what Christ did on the cross. So he is able to challenge sin. He can speak freely where Moses had to cover up. Paul can speak boldly. Just to sum up my three points today and just my encouragement for us. I know this feels like it went very quickly, so enjoy a nice afternoon off. <laughs> but just my summary is that we need to remember that we stand as the recommendation of Christ to the world. But in saying this, we can stand boldly because we have confidence of Christ in us and what Christ did to us. His new covenant is written in our hearts and is living through us in the Holy Spirit. <laughs>